morning journey. It's 2020. Let me ask you a question. How many of you, when you woke up in 2020, your life was greatly different than when you went to sleep in 2019? Anybody? Did any of you, when you woke up, look at your checking account and there's like $100,000? Any of you go step on the scales and be like, wow, in just overnight I've lost 30 pounds. This is awesome. You know, it's, it's almost like when we go through a new year, it's like when, when that clock ticks midnight, we kind of expect dust to sprinkle down on us. We're like, wow, everything is good. But you wake up and you're like, hey, you know, things are just like I left it when I went to sleep. But what happens is when you start to understand that really turning a new year is just a reminder of a clean slate. It's a chance to start over. It's a chance to begin anew. And one of the things that I hope you took away from your choice, Randolph, and we are honored to, to partner with them and help, and uh, one of the ways, we're, we're involved in many different ways with them, but one of the ways for those of you that brought blankets in, it went to help them and to help give to moms and to families and some of the smaller ones to infants. And so just for you to kind of see when you bring things in and go, where do these things go? Well, this is one, and you can, you can talk to them about that. But one of the things I, I liked about what Carolyn said was we don't want to just be about pro-life, pro-abundant life. Isn't that what Jesus is? In John 10, 10, he said, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. And so when you woke up January 1st, 2020, guess what? God is giving you a new day. He's giving you a new year. He's giving you a new decade. Uh, this will kind of date myself a little bit, but somebody sent this to me, and I realized I now have lived in six decades and two centuries and two millennia. Man, I feel old. But you know what? After seeing that and kind of feeling old, I'm like, but wait a minute. God's given me life, and he's given me opportunity, and he's given me chance. And so church, as we face this new year, 2020, our, our vision as a church is that we would see Jesus clearly, that we would remove the junk, we would remove the sin, we would remove the misperceptions, we would remove our own feelings, our own interpretations, and we would just say, Jesus who are you? And Jesus, what do you want in that relationship between me and you? Remember last year, we started off in January with the series Unashamed. And we talked about how the enemy wants to keep us in bondage and wants to keep us held back. And we said, you know, we, we got to bring that to God and experience that freedom. But now as we look in this January and we consider the series All In, if all you do is go from ashamed to unashamed shamed to unashamed, it's a cyclical part. It's just like, man, I feel like I don't get anywhere. I feel like I don't get any traction. I feel like God's not really doing anything. And so the next step of that is to be like, okay, Lord, not only am I unashamed, but I'm all in. There's nothing held back. I'm all in for you. And one of the things that we have to understand if we're going to be all in is we have to understand salvation. And church, I want you to just, for the next few minutes, I want you to try to just look at 
your relationship with Jesus. Can we do that? So for the next 25, 30 minutes, just think, what is my relationship with Jesus? When I think of the name Jesus, what comes to mind? And Acts 26 gives us a look into three different perspectives on that response to who Jesus is. And one of those three responses will be what your response is. It will be where you're at. And for us to truly understand where we're at and where we need to grow. I had a meeting with a gentleman this past week. And we were talking and, and uh, he was just kind of sharing some of his struggles. He said, you know, I, I feel like when I come to church that I, I really don't want to be there, but I do. I really don't understand. And I feel like when I leave, I, I'm just going on the rest of my life. So we just had a chance to look and say, okay, what is your view of Jesus? And by the time that my conversation finished with that, with that young man, he said, he goes, I need Jesus. I've known about Jesus, and I've talked about Jesus, but I've never had that personal relationship with Jesus. And church, today, I want us to just kind of go back to square one I want us to go back and to say, when I hear the name Jesus, what comes to mind? And in this story that's told to us from Acts 26, it's really a story that's developing. If you go all the way back to Acts 21, you'll see that Paul goes to Jerusalem. And going to Jerusalem, he really stirs up the hornet's nest. He really gets the religious leaders going. And they don't want to hear him talk about Jesus because, you see, they already made clear their opinion of Jesus because they crucified him. They sent him up to Calvary and killed him. They already made clear they didn't want anything to do with Jesus. But Paul comes up, and he is talking about Jesus, and they get angry, and they're ready to kill him. But yet he is a Roman citizen, so now Rome has to get involved, and they protect him. And Paul is sent back and forth, and you'll read this when you go through Acts 21, 22, and so forth. And then it comes to Acts 26. And Paul is now before Agrippa, King Agrippa. And standing before King Agrippa, he's going to make his plea. Not a plea for his life. Not a plea that, I don't want to die and I'll say whatever I, want to, whatever I need to to live. No, if that were true, he would have denounced Jesus and said, I serve only Rome. But Paul is making a plea so that Agrippa will hear the gospel, so that Agrippa will know about Jesus. But before that, you have Festus, who's the, now the governor of the area, and he has just replaced Felix. So you have all these people that are involved that have made their positions clear about Jesus, some of them not. Paul's going to call them out on that. And so now, in Acts 26... Paul is speaking to Agrippa, the highest authority he can go to other than Caesar himself. And he's going to give forth his plea to why the gospel is true. So in this first perspective, we're going to see Paul's going to share his testimony on his relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, So in the first 11 verses, Paul shares about his sinful life. Paul shares about how bad he was. Now, to be saved doesn't mean that one has to be worse than the other. You ever hear people kind of compare, like, well, you think you were bad? Let me tell you about my past. 
But there are always those that have that past, that struggle, because they wonder if God can truly forgive them. They're like, if you guys really knew what I did, you wouldn't be offering me the gospel. Paul says, hey, let me just put it out there. If any of you are struggling with that, let me just tell you about myself. So in Acts 26, 9 through 11, Paul says this. He says to, again, he's speaking to Agrippa in verses 9 through 11. There we go. I myself, so Paul's like, I can only speak for myself, was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus. I want to stop right here and bring that out. Paul is talking about his response to Jesus. He's not talking about how others influenced him. He's not talking about he's blaming others. He said, here is my response. I myself opposed the name of Jesus. I wanted nothing to do with him. And I did so in Jerusalem. Remember the area where now later he was arrested. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priest, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. So when the Christians' names would come up and they would take a vote, do you think they should live or die? Paul said every time, die, die, die. This was a man who persecuted anything and anyone that was associated with Jesus Christ to the point of torturing them and to the point of capturing them and even to the point of condemning them to death. But it goes on to say this, and I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme and in raging fury, don't miss that term, and in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Let me ask you a question, church. If Jesus isn't real, why does the world spend so much time arguing about him? If Jesus isn't real, then why do people spend all their time arguing and debating and trying to prove that he is just not as good as you think he is, that he's dead, that he's all... You don't see them using this to talk about other characters, right? You don't see this great event going to you know, try to say, hey, for all of you out there that think the tooth fairy is somebody great, let me tell you the real story. If Jesus isn't real... And if Jesus isn't God, then why is so much time and effort given to attack him? And Paul said, out of his own, out of his own mouth, in his own defense, he said, I did everything in raging fury against them. You see, Paul, who at this time was Saul, not only opposed Jesus, it went to the point that he opposed or persecuted anybody that identified themselves with, with Jesus. This was a bad man. This was a man who was guilty of murder. Now, don't raise your hand on this, but how many of you killed somebody? You see, no matter how bad our sin, there are always people that have darker sins. There are always people that have done things that we said, no, I, I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't think that way. Paul says, I'm showing you not to lift myself up. I'm showing you, king, I was guilty of death. I deserve to die because I've taken other lives. I was so angry with this Jesus that I persecuted anybody that had anything to do with him. But here's something that he came to understand. 
The darkness of your sins can always be washed away by the blood of Christ. I say to anyone here today, regardless of what you've done, regardless of how bad it is, regardless of how dark your past is, you can have forgiveness, you can have light, but that only comes through Jesus Christ. In 1 John 1, 9, it tells it to us very clearly. It says this, if we confess our sins, that means I'm wrong. God, you're right, I'm wrong. God, you are holy, I am unholy. God, you paid the price for my sin. I confess it. If anyone confesses their sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that a powerful verse? That last part, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sometimes if you have a stain and you go to the store and you're trying to find something to remove that stain, you're looking at the labels, you're trying to figure out, you know, does this remove grape juice out of white carpet? You know, does this remove blood out of clothes or whatever? You know, I'm sure sometimes they have interesting conversations with people at the store. Somebody comes and goes, would this get blood out of clothes? You go, Why would you want to know that? But, you know... They, they look at it, and you look and go, yes. So you go home, and you, and you take, and you spray it, and you wash it, and that stain is still there. You say, I thought it would take care of it. And maybe you're here today, and you're kind of like, you have that mentality towards God. I, I really want to believe that. I really want to believe that God would forgive me, but man, if you only knew my past. Paul would later go on to declare himself as the chiefest, the worst among sinners, and yet God saved him. And my friend, Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You can have life and have it abundantly today. You don't have to wait. You don't have to try to get better. You don't have to try to clean yourself up. The only way you can clean yourself up is come and let God clean you up. And that happened with, with Saul, because now he becomes Paul. Verses 12 through 23, Paul now says, here's what my life is different. Once Jesus came in, my life is different. He has changed me from the inside out. In fact, to the point that he even changed his name. Acts 13, 9, talking about Saul and Paul. Look at what it says. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. Don't miss the part. From when Saul became Paul, what made the difference? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes the difference. And when we get saved, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes in and now indwells you. And church, if we look at our life and our relationship with Jesus, and there's no difference, regardless of what we've done or said, if there's no difference in our life in relationship to Jesus, then the Holy Spirit hasn't come in. Because when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in and your view of Jesus changes. Where once you couldn't stand it, now you want it. Where once you fought against it, now you embrace him. And so many times, church, we put our salvation into, well, my parents said that I was saved when I was four. Or my pastor said that I prayed that prayer in his office. I don't really remember it, but they said that. Church, your relationship with Jesus has to be your own. Moms and dads can't do it. Pastors can't do it. I wish I could. I would do it in a heartbeat, but I can't. Your relationship with Jesus is yours. Remember where Paul said, I myself 
He understood that relationship. And when the Holy Spirit came in, it changed him even to the point that his name changed. Because as soon as people heard Saul, they thought of, peop- of the man that persecuted the church. They thought of the man that killed Christians. And said, no, no, that's not him anymore. Here's Paul, the one that's following after Jesus Christ. And my friend, I can tell you, from the day that I got saved, God changed me. I'm not the same person that I was before I got saved. I'm a different person today, all because of Jesus Christ. Paul understood that. Paul understood that when the Spirit comes in, he changes you from the inside, but other people should know it. Church, maybe you've heard it said this way, share the gospel when necessary, use words. People ought to see a difference in you. They ought to see it because it's coming from the inside out. Not the outside in, but the inside out. Acts 26 goes on to tell what Paul's message was now. He says, here's what God has sent me to do because the same message I received, to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. One of the stories that that I, I heard of a young lady that went in to an abortion clinic and somebody shared life with her and shared and circumstances that are not important to this part, but she decided to go ahead and have the abortion. She said, the voice in my head told me, you're too young, too much responsibility. It doesn't really matter, it's not really a life. And she said, I went through with the abortion. She said, later, I understood it was a life, but the shame gripped me. And that same voice that told me it was okay now condemned me and said, how could you, and beat me down. She shared that she said, I was ready to take my own life because I couldn't live with what I'd done. But listen to me, church, but then somebody shared Jesus and said he loves you and he wants to give you life. You see, what she understood was you'll never make the enemy happy. You'll never make him happy. By whatever you do, he'll never get off your back. The only way he gets off your back, church, is when you invite the Holy Spirit in through salvation, and then the Holy Spirit says to him, get away. And church, what we need is for men and women to understand their relationship with Jesus. That the message that delivered us is the same message that others need to hear. That he takes us from darkness into light. He takes us from following after Satan to following God. Man, Jesus changes everything. And yet so many times our response is so flippant. And sometimes we just think, well, yeah, I I pray that prayer and I feel like I'm going to go to heaven. But that's, you know... There's other stuff to life. Man, Jesus is my life. That's why he came, that I might have abundant life. Church, you see, one of the things the enemy is doing today is getting people to argue on the methods of giving the message. Well, what kind of music do you listen to? Well, what kind of church do you meet in? Well, how do you dress when you go there? Church, the gospel message is about Jesus. Methods can change. 
And I would submit to you, and we can talk about this at a later time, I would submit they need to change. If not, then folks, let's kick off the air conditioning and the heat. Let's get rid of the bathrooms. Let's go back to the outdoor bathrooms. You see what I'm saying? I'm thankful methods change. But the message never changes. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever. The same message that transformed Paul's life is the same message that will transform our life. And he understood that, and he is presenting this to Agrippa so that he can understand who Jesus is. Because you see, Paul's not trying to spare his life. Paul's not trying to plead so that he won't die. He's pleading the gospel before Agrippa and before Festus and for whoever will hear You see, Paul understood, my life is not my own. After this, Paul is going to be sent on a ship to go to Rome to appear before Caesar himself. He had that right as a Roman citizen. He's going to be shipwrecked. He's going to be snake-bitten. But you know what? Paul doesn't care. He's still giving the message because it's about Jesus, not about him. So church, let me ask you a question before we look at the other two perspectives. Is your life about Jesus? Has the gospel message changed you? Has the Holy Spirit come and filled you because you're a child of God? The scripture goes on to say, if the Spirit is not in you, then you are not His. Has that change happened in your life? Because you can't be all in unless you're in Christ. You can be all around, you can be all about, but you can't be all in. Because Jesus is the only way in. He is that shepherd that blocks the entrance into the flock. He is the only way to the Father. It has to be about Jesus. But maybe you're here and you're kind of like Festus. He was the governor. Don't get Festus confused, you know, with the guy from the uh, gun smoke, uh, rode the old mules. Some of you older ones understand that. Some of the younger ones look and go, what? Google it, you'll find out. But Festus was the governor of this area. And Festus had inherited Paul's problem from his predecessor, Felix. Now, why is it so important? Because Paul had appealed to Felix and shared the gospel with him. But Felix just tried to use Paul for money. Maybe this Jesus will allow you to have money to pay me to let you go. So he would call Paul back. But the whole purpose was trying to build that relationship so that Paul, through Jesus, through Christianity, would pay him money to let him go. You see, for Felix, Jesus was about the money. What could you do for me, Jesus? How could you benefit me? Well, Festus comes on the scene, and he is listening to the discussion happening between Paul and Agrippa, and he is, finally, he's had enough. And in a loud voice, when you read there through Acts 26, when when you read there in verses 26 and 27, Festus calls out with a loud voice and says, Stop! Paul, you are crazy. We've had enough. And although you might not do that in in a church service, maybe in your life, You've kind of done that where you've called out and go, you know what, I'm tired of people telling me about Jesus. I'm tired of my parents telling me. I'm tired of my friends telling me. This is just crazy. And there in front of King Agrippa, 
there in front of all the dignitaries, there in this great, because see, this was a celebration of Festus's rule now as governor, and it was a celebration, and he had invited King Agrippa kind of like to pass the buck and say, hey, you want to hear this guy? And amidst all that, finally, he said, you know what? You're taken away from my time. You're taken away from my celebration. I've had enough. You're crazy. You ever had anybody tell you you're crazy? You believe that Jesus stuff? You went to church? Why? And Festus called him crazy and was loud. The word there really is boisterous. I mean, he is just where nobody can mistake it that Festus has had enough. I want you to notice how Paul replied. Because how do you reply when people attack you? How do you reply when people say, yeah, that, that Jesus is just a joke. Christianity is nothing. You're a fool for believing that. How do you respond? You ever notice sometimes as Christians, we reply as the world responds? And we talk ugly, and we yell. Have you ever noticed yelling doesn't draw people to you? With all the things happening and all the stores being busy, we were at a large retail store, and lines were crazy, and I mean, there were you know, 50 million people, give or take a million, but a lot of people there. And everybody's trying to get in, trying to get their stuff paid for, and it's crazy, and they got this poor person trying to direct everybody. And so finally, there was a person that was opened up on the far lane, number 29. This person didn't see him. And finally, this person, I'm going to kind of cover my mic so I don't blow your ears. The, the person over there said, hey, come here. And the person in front of me goes, well, you don't have to get mad about it. Now, see what the person was trying to do was trying to help them. They were trying to say, hey, I'm open. I can get you through this mess. But because they yelled, the person got offended. Church, can I give you this little tidbit? If you have to yell at somebody about Jesus, you've already lost. You've already lost. And sometimes... I just, I, I see people that just, you know, they're just attacking and just yelling and name calling. That doesn't get anybody. It doesn't draw you, even in things that aren't religious. Even in things that are just commonplace, like trying to pay for your stuff over the holidays. And church, Paul did not respond by yelling back and being, hey, let me tell you who you are. In fact, Paul replies this, your most excellent Festus. He recognizes his position. He recognizes who he, are, who he is. But he's bold and he just gives the gospel to him. Church, Jesus speaks for himself. Me raising my voice isn't going to help. Me attacking you isn't going to help. But me showing you that Jesus came so you could truly have life and have it abundantly, that speaks to your soul. And I don't know if you, if you heard it, but these ladies, when they were talking about 
the, the wonderful people they have a chance to interact with. It's about building relationships. It's about giving, speaking life into them. It's not coming going, why are you even considering this? Why are you you're just a... It's speaking life. It's giving truth. It's giving hope. All of that comes in Jesus. And that's how Paul responds. But maybe you're here and you're like Festus, but you've had people yell at you. You've had people criticize you. Can I tell you, Jesus is here to show himself to you. He's no joke. He's here to show you you're not crazy for wanting to believe him. And would you allow the gospels, would you allow the message of Jesus Christ to penetrate your heart? But that brings us to our third person, Agrippa. Agrippa was very well versed in Jewish history. He was very knowledgeable of Jewish law. And in fact, when he's presented with this case, he said, yes, I I would be most interested in hearing this. And in verse 3, and then also later in verse 27, Paul appeals to Agrippa and he says, and you know this very well, king. You know what I'm telling to you is true, king. You know all that I've presented to you lines up with what the law and the prophets teach us. You know that it is true. And Agrippa listened. He wasn't like Festus that thought it was silly or crazy, but he knew it cost something. He knew that if he were to follow this Jesus, now instead of being king, Jesus would be king. People would question his leadership. People would think maybe he was crazy. Maybe Festus would have tried to get his job. And so as he listened to them, and as Paul says to Agrippa in verse 27, will you believe? Agrippa says in verse 28, he says to him this way, kind of paraphrasing here, you're asking me to do this in so little time. I need more time. The King James Version translates it this way. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. I understand what you're saying, and Paul, everything you're telling me lines up. But what you're asking me to do has great risks, has great consequences. I I, I can't do this just on the spot. I have to have time. I have to allow it to process in my mind. I'm just still weighing it out. But you ever notice that when you're thinking about those big decisions that you try to distract and go to something that you can't handle? And sometimes the Spirit of God is working in your life and challenging you with something and and you really don't want to have to deal with it then. And Maybe it's, you know, who you're dating or maybe it's on your finances or maybe it's with your friendships or or whatever and and God is dealing with you and you say, I I just don't want to deal with this anymore. So verse 31, Agrippa says, well, let me just kind of take a break, and I'll give you my ruling on this legal matter. You've done nothing worthy of death. in, In all that you've done, you've done nothing worthy of death or imprisonment. That's my legal. That's my judgment. Yeah, but Agrippa, what will you do with Jesus? I'll deal with that another day. 
And maybe some of you are here and it's 2020 and you're wanting to start the year off right. And so you're trying to just kind of see what, what Jesus is. And I just want you to know, Jesus is calling you. He's calling you to be all in with him. To not just try him, to not just listen to a few messages, but to trust who he is. To confess your sin to him and ask him to come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior. Because you see, time is something we're not guaranteed. On October 8th, 1871, D.L. Moody, great evangelist, was preaching in Chicago. And he had preached to his church from Matthew 27. And he was preaching, and what shall we do with this Jesus who is called Christ? And after preaching the message, he said to the congregation, just as, as you are here today, he said, I give you this week to be like Agrippa, to be like the others that have decided what you're going to do with Jesus. And next Sabbath when we meet, you'll have opportunity to respond on who this Jesus is. What D.L. Moody nor, nor, nor anyone knew was that night would become a night that would go down in history. It's the great Chicago fire. did millions of dollars of damage, took hundreds of lives. The fire spread so quickly, people didn't have a chance to respond. The firefighters had responded to another call that was farther away. Their water was limited. The, the, the wood was going up so quickly, it was almost just like a losing battle. Many of the people that sat and heard D.L. Moody speak that night died. They didn't get a chance to decide the next Sabbath what they would do with Jesus. And that's why the scripture tells us now is the day of salvation. Church, yes, it's January 5th, 2020. We don't know what the days, the weeks, the months will hold. But here's what I can tell you. The way to start the year off but most importantly, church, the way to start your life, your eternity, is what will you do with Jesus? You can't be all in unless you're in Christ. You can't have the blessing of God unless you have believed that Jesus is God and that he paid the price for your sin. So church, today, what will you do with Jesus? And I wanna give you this last fact. All of you are within 18 inches of heaven. 18 inches is the proposed distance between your brain and your heart. You can know a lot about Jesus. You can know a lot about the Bible. You can know a lot about church. You can know all those things. But church, it does you no good until you finally surrender with your heart and say, Lord, I receive you. Lord, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe I am a sinner. I deserve punishment, but Jesus came so that I could be free and live with you. You see, that's the difference. When that happens, the Holy Spirit comes in, as Jesus promised, and you are changed from the inside out. Church, my greatest prayer is every one of us here, right now, right this moment, will make the decision on what we do with Jesus. Let's not be 
like Festus who said, this is just crazy, I'm done. Let's not be like Agrippa that said almost. I understand, but it's just not for me right now. But let's be like Paul who said, yes, I am a sinner. I persecuted Jesus and anything to do with Jesus. But when I understood who Jesus was, I gave him my all. Church, are you ready to be all in with Jesus Christ? Are you ready? When you hear the name Jesus, you say, Savior, my Savior. Father, thank you for the truth of your word today. Father, this is an important message because what we do with Jesus doesn't just affect today or this new year. It affects, it affects our every day, our every year, our eternity. So, Father, for anything that we have heard that has been incorrect, for anything and others that have misrepresented you, Father, that you would put all those things aside and just let us see Jesus. That Jesus came to be our Savior. He came to give us forgiveness of sin. And that, Father, today we would respond by saying, I believe Jesus. He is my Savior. And Father, for those of us that are saved, that we would understand what he did for us and that we would be passionate in sharing Jesus with others. Oh, how our lives would have been different if somebody would not have shared Jesus with us. But Father, help us to share Jesus with others. We'll praise you for it all in Christ's name. Amen. Church, these next couple minutes, what will you do with Jesus? Do you know, based upon the authority of Scripture, not what anybody's told you, but based upon the authority of Scripture and what the Spirit is telling you now, are you saved? Are you a follower of Jesus? If so, I praise God. Man, I praise God. But if not, man, I, I plead with you, accept Jesus today the freedom that he gives, the forgiveness that he brings, the cleansing that takes place, the power, all of that, man, it just becomes unleashed because you're now in a right relationship with Jesus. Will you choose Jesus today? In front of you is a connection card. Whether you're deciding to accept Jesus as your Savior or you're saying, Lord, I just want to be reminded and praise God for my salvation, and I'm just committing, I want to share that message with others. This is a new year, a new start, and I want to start it right with Jesus. You can fill it out, put it in the bucket, give it to the folks at Next Steps. But if after the service you have concerns, find somebody, find a neighbor, come find me, find one of the worship team. Don't leave here not knowing where you stand with Jesus so that we can go in this new year saying with confidence, I belong to Jesus. You'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. Thank you.